Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Coming up, for a director shareholder, it's the age-old question, what's the optimal salary to take? But this year, it's been complicated by our friend the Chancellor. Keep listening to find out the key figure for 2022-23. Plus, a London law firm has hit the headlines by offering its employees the opportunity to work permanently from home, but on condition they agree to a 20% pay cut. Sounds ideal, but is it legal? Keep listening and we will explain all. You're listening to Tips and Advice for Business, the weekly podcast that trawls through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized advice and realistic solutions to everyday challenges. And all this in just a few short minutes, because we know that your time is precious. The Tips and Advice for Business podcast is freely available on all the usual platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Deezer and is brought to you by those ever so nice people at Indicator FL Memo. For supporting information, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. Your host today is Duncan Callow, solicitor and publisher. Now, if you're a director shareholder or if you advise a director shareholder, or perhaps you run the payroll for a director shareholder, a question that you will hear often asked is, what's the optimal salary to be paid? It's not always a very straightforward answer to give. And uh, this year, with the Chancellor's spring statement making changes to the previously published NI thresholds, it's even more complicated. Let's look into the figures in, in, in some detail with some examples and come up with the optimal figure. Of course, it's worth remembering that director shareholders can typically decide how to pay themselves. This can either be a salary, dividends, or often a mixture of both. Now, to work out the most tax-efficient salary, we need to look at the NI thresholds for this tax year, which were revised in the spring statement. The lower earnings limit for NI for 22-23 is £6,396 per year. So if an individual earns over the amount it will count as a qualifying year for their future state pension. Therefore, a director should always pay themselves at least 6396 to ensure they can get the maximum state pension. This is important. Now, in the spring statement, the Chancellor stated that the primary threshold increased to match the personal allowance of £12,570 per year. However, this increase will only start from 6th of July 2022, i.e. month 4, and the earlier months remain at the original amount of £9,880 per year, so the NI threshold is only 11908 for 22-23 for directors who are paying NI on an annual earnings basis. For directors not on an annual earnings basis, the primary threshold is £823 for months 1-3 to and £1,048 for months 4-12. to Above this threshold, and the director will need to pay 13.25% employees' national insurance. Now, here's a tip. Particularly given that the primary threshold is increasing after month three, ensure that the annual earnings basis for NI is ticked in your payroll software for all director shareholders on the minimum salary plus dividends package. This is also known as the alternative method and will avoid any NI being charged in months one to three. Now, the secondary threshold for 22 23 
is £9,100 per year. So your company will pay class one secondary NI of 15.05% on the director's salary over £758 per month. Okay, that's a bit of number crunching done. Let's get to the really important question. What is the optimal salary to pay? Now, based on the NI rates, which we've just explained, the optimal salary for directors who have no other employment is actually, wait for it, drumroll, £11,908. This ensures that the director qualifies for the state pension, importantly, but does not need to pay any class one employee contributions. You might be thinking, why not pay a salary of £9,100? Well, the secondary threshold is £9,100, so paying a salary up to £11,908 means that the company will pay 15.05% class one secondary that's employers NI, on £2,808. That's £422.60. However, assume your company is making profits, which we are, it will save corporation tax of £613, or just over £613. So it's clearly more effective, it's more tax effective to pay the 15.05% NI. What about optimal dividends? Well, assuming the director shareholder has no other income, and wants to take the salary of £11,908, as we've recommended, plus dividends up to their basic rate tax band, the optimal dividends for 2022-23 are, another drum roll, £38,362 per year, or £3,196.83 per month. That's another tip here. If the director's shareholders' dividends are shown on their payslip, you will need to make sure that the payroll software classifies them as no P-A-Y-E and no N-I. Now, in summary, we've gone through a lot of numbers here, but the bottom line is that the optimal salary to pay a director shareholder with no other employment in 22-23 is £11,908. At this level, they will get credit for the state pension without paying any Class 1 employees N-I. Got to the end, got to the final figure. Hope you found this very helpful. So, can you cut pay for staff who decide they want to work from home permanently? Seems like a reasonable request, after all, if your workers aren't getting out of bed till five to nine, they're sitting around all day at the desk uh, in their pyjamas, and then at five past five, they're on the sofa watching Love Island, eating a pot noodle. Why should you pay them 100% of their former salary when they clearly don't have any commuting or other associated costs? Now, you may have read or heard that London law firm Stevenson Harwood is cutting its pay by 20% for staff that move on to permanent home working. In fact, as is often the case, the media reports have been skewed somewhat and Stevenson Harwood already operates a hybrid working policy for staff under which they have the option of working from home for up to two days. The new salary sacrifice for full remote working policy goes further than that and is being introduced after the firm's experience of recruiting remote lawyers during the pandemic from outside London on a lower salary package Reflecting, of course, the lower cost of not having to commute into London. Important to note here that the firm is not forcing any employees into permanent homeworking. It's simply offering them an alternative work and pay arrangement, which they are free to decline. And in fact, it admits that it doesn't expect many employees to take up the offer. So on that basis, and provided all employees are being treated equally, it's legally acceptable from a contractual perspective to introduce this pay and work arrangement, i.e. to pay people less.
The only possible risk here is that of unlawful disability discrimination, i.e. where permanent home working would be a reasonable adjustment for an employee's disability. Plus, of course, you can't ask any employee to agree to work for less than the applicable national living or national minimum wage rate, regardless of whether they're a home worker or not. Somehow we don't think that working for a City of London law firm would pose any risk of anybody working for less than the national minimum wage rate. Anyway, hopefully we've clarified that point and it's clear to you now on whether you can cut pay for permanent home working. Can you believe it? We've reached the end of another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. But don't worry, we'll be back again soon and we'll be considering the safest way to help employees with the cost of living increases, plus why you should urge them to check their tax codes. But for now... Thank you for sharing your time with us and goodbye. You've been listening to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Every week we trawl through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized tips, advice and solutions. For more information about our products and services, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. 